This is a headgum podcast. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, halflings. Just wanted to give a little pre-episode disclaimer. The following episode was recorded before the Wizards of the Coast Pinkerton scandal, as well as subsequent TTRPG debacles. Uh, I'm recording this on the day of release, so there may have been even more by the time I even press post. Uh, we plan to discuss the larger issues surrounding uh, a lot of these controversies in a future episode as our feelings are still evolving, but we did want to give you some context as to why we don't mention any of those things. It's because they hadn't happened yet. Uh, and if they had, some of our sentiments probably would have shifted. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, halflings. It's me, Olivia Kennedy. Uh, but you can call me Liv. How do I do this? Um, but today I am joined by... Oh God, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> You're joined by uh, me. That's Jeremy. Hey, uh, but Germanfested calls me Germaine. Uh, they, they explain uh, okay. their name is also Germaine, okay. uh, but there are not very many of them uh, where they live. Mm-hmm. But everyone keeps calling them Jeremy, so they decided to swap. I get to be Germaine, and mm. they'll just be Jeremy for a exactly. day. So there you go, yeah. Germanfested. Yeah. 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 But it's not just me who's here. Who else is here, Liv? I, I, we are also joined. I, I'm, I'm shaking. I'm so excited by this this revelation that, that we are joined by the one and only Connie Chang. <gasps> Hello, it's me. Hello, Chang is in the house. <laughs> Hi. Oh my God. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full prince vibe. Woof. <laughs> this makes them even more black. Cake liches and bitches. <laughs> In the cusp of a teaspoon on a nat 20. No! You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. We're about to get into something real big now. We love to see it. We love We have been uh, Changified. Thank you so much, Connie, for joining us. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It is always such a pleasure to be on anything Three Black Halflings related. Uh, it feels like I'm back home. It feels like I'm I'm back in the Shire, Aww. and I'm warming up for you know for my second breakfast with a little platter of sausages, Aww. and we I'm ready that. to uh, talk goss, talk hot goss. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, my you are here to chat some hot goss. Liv's <laughs> <laughs> already got tea. I love I really, it. I really did. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, Liv. What kind of tea is it? Uh, it's just a classic uh, PG tips. I wish I had some Yorkshire, but this will do, you know, uh, it's fine. Uh, any port in a storm, as they say. Yeah. Uh, we are here <laughs> to talk about the recent D&D Creator Summit. Uh, basically, because this is such a, I feel like this was the biggest news of the TTRPG sphere 
this year after the OGL debacle. Mm-hmm. I feel like this has been the biggest news slash controversy to have happened. Uh, and it has implications not only for the future of D&D as a brand, but also its relationships, its relationships with the people who make the game great. Yeah. Uh, not just the creative team, but also the uh, the influencers, creators uh, who create stuff to help popularize the game uh, and help make it make the whole experience of being a D and D fan uh, much more rich and gotcha. exciting. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and uh, this. <laughs> I was unable to attend. Uh, I we were three of Black Halflings were invited, but I was unable to attend uh, because I I was uh, DMing on another show. Mm. Uh, Liv, you were there for part of it, right? I was there for the first half of it. And I left before everything kicked off, and I missed everything because <laughs> I was like, nothing's yeah, going yeah. on here. And then I and I was like, it is ten o'clock in where I live. So um, so yeah, then I dipped. So. Mm. Yeah, and the 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 online experience. Uh, one of the one of the uh, consistent things that I've heard is that the online experience differed drastically from the experience of the people who were actually physically present in the room, the physical in- attendees. Uh, so, Connie, as <laughs> a physical in- attendee, thank you so much for yes, coming here to you. talk about this with us. Yeah, uh, of course. Literally, yeah. I, I yeah. several people from like various different channels have reached out to me at this point, uh, being like, "Oh, I'd love to have you on. I'd love you know for you to talk." Um, but I feel very hesitant about, I guess, like any sort of public on the record written um, statement about my perspective for this event just because of the intense, virulent harassment that have has been following like basically any kind of creator that has said anything like adjacent mm-hmm. to positive, right? Uh, or even mm-hmm. just neutral about wizards. And we'll get into that in a mm-hmm. second. And you know me, like I I have feelings about wizards, right? And I have thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. about the direction of the company and about how they've been handling a lot of things from accessibility to equity to representation, um, literally everything. Uh, so, you mm-hmm. know, I'm definitely not like a just, like a praise watsy you know like whatever like i'm i'm very much like a critical a critical thinker right so um mm-hmm. you know three black halflings i i i love y'all and i trust y'all immensely um and i i love what you all do with the show and i love the values you all have and i have a relationship with the with the hosts of this show right? i have a relationship with both of you right and i know you all as like people which is why I think it's important for me to contextualize why I'm willing to like go on the record here and talk about my experiences sure. here. Uh, whereas I've been a little, I've, I, I, as a specific individual involved in this event have been fairly tight lipped about it um, on Twitter mm. and even on my TikTok and other platforms. And that has been for like, for a reason. Um, but mm. this feels like, you know, of all the ways to kind of talk openly and can't candidly about my experiences, this feels like the one that makes the most sense for me. Right. In lieu of just doing kind of like a, on my own terms, transplanter stream about it which i'd thought about but mm-hmm. i think ultimately mm, i think i want to focus that channel on just ap based content and like leave anything mm-hmm. a- adjacent to discourse for like like a talk show like like three black halflings right mm-hmm. um with with hosts and folks who are also you know my, my peers my colleagues and who understand where i'm coming from so that is kind of like the <laughs> that is the my big yeah. preamble before i get into this yeah. stuff um that feels yes. you know unfortunately necessary to say up front <laughs> yeah uh thank you so much for coming and thank you for trusting us with this and hopefully anyone who has been following us for any uh reasonable length of time uh, understands that we are also no big big fans of 
a lot of what Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast has been doing. Though the show exists in part as a direct reaction to that, uh, to the way that they've been handling the brand for a long, long time. Uh, and of course, uh, th- anyone who has seen our interview uh, with Kyle Brink uh, yeah. <laughs> knows oh, that we yeah, are not yeah. necessarily the friendliest towards that whole. Uh, <laughs> we, I don't bear them ill will as people, mm-hmm. but uh, corporations are not people, and I do not feel great about the corporation. Uh, yes. So I guess should we go ahead and jump in? Um, what was the, cause I never, even though we were invited, I never mm-hmm. actually saw the email. What, like, what was the initial contact, uh, that you received from wizards? That's really interesting that you never actually saw the email because my initial contact was an email like on, I actually have it pulled up right here, so I don't like misquote <laughs> anything. Uh, mm-hmm. but on March 1st, uh, of this year, 2023, uh, I received an email from someone who is not like a direct, um, contractor or employee of wizards but works for like a uh influencer campaign management company essentially like a a content Mm -hmm. creator relations uh slash like marketing Mm -hmm. and maybe event planning company i got to meet some of the people who are part of that company at the summit later on and they clarified their business relationship with watsi um to me so they're the people who reached out initially and i think this is important when we get into miscommunications later on uh were not directly under like wizards management or purview of any kind um i think they were kind of like outsourced to handle some of the uh, influencer slash content creator relations here. So I got the uh, Watsi Summit invitation over email, uh, and it was from this person who was very sweet and kind, you know, like every, every pretty much like the the people, the face-to-face people that I've talked to on the ground level have all been very sweet and kind and great folks, right? So any mm-hmm. criticisms, right, and any like critiques and anything that I say from this point forward, like you said, Jeremy, are leveled like toward the corporation, right? As opposed to like the specific individuals working there. Uh, So with that out of the way, got the invitation. I was told in the body of the email, some of the context behind why they were putting on a Watsi content creator summit. And I just sort of like read the text out loud. So there's like no, like Mm -hmm. no degree of misinterpretation here, right? Uh, So the body of the email says, in December of 2022, our team had the opportunity to attend PAX Unplugged and interact with tons of members of the TTRPG creator community. And something that came up consistently in these conversations was a desire from you, the community we serve, to have more chances to see wizard staff in person, more chances to provide feedback on how our team can improve the experience of making D&D content, and more chances to see what's next for D&D. The D&D creator relations team, uh, many members of whom we met during the summit, has been cooking up some new ideas for how we can best meet these goals, and we'd love to invite you uh, to the first step. Uh, so then there's some information about the date and the address. Um, it's at Washington is at their headquarters. That's public information. Uh, and like mm-hmm. early April for like the actual date of the summit. Um, and it goes on to say this event will be a chance to see what uh, some of what our teams have been working on, including, and this is in parentheticals, including the D&D VTT and the D&D rules update and parentheticals, ask questions, give feedback, and connect with members of our studio and content teams. There will be no content requirements, nor will wizards be taking or using any footage, photos, or recordings for any purpose. Any information we share with you during the summit, you are free to share with your community. Additionally, our team will cover your travel, lodging, and per DM costs for this event. And then it kind of ends off with like a like a nice paragraph being like, thanks for reading this email. Like we we'd be excited to have you on board, stuff like that. Um and then a sign off. Okay. So that's okay. that's the initial reach out email. Immediately to it to me, it sounds like they're trying to frame it around like, oh, at Pax Unplugged, um, we decided that we wanted to chat with creators more. When I I literally thought the summit was to 
was reactionary in terms of everything that happened earlier in the year with the OGL fiasco. Um, so maybe that they, they were just trying to not make it seem like that. And if they were trying to make it not seem like that, they didn't do a very good job to me. I don't know. It could be that like this was something that they had planned mm. but was not really being pushed heavily until that and then they're like yeah. oh once the OGL thing happened they decided to move it up in the docket and make it more of a priority or it actually could just be a genuine like oh yeah that just also happened to happen could be. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the vibe I got uh, at the summit like and we can get into like we can, because the, the summit is so in my mind now kind of confusing about the timeline and there's there was just a lot of miscommunication i think from from a lot of angles so i'm gonna just try to be as chronological about this as possible um so just based on this email and then later on based on some conversations i had which i'll get get into in a second uh with both members of the content uh content relations team as well as like some of their studio teams that you're right jeremy this a, a content creator summit had been in the works for some time, uh, okay. definitely preceding everything that came out about the OGL. So that had kind of been in the works, but I think you're right. Like the OGL stuff kind of expedited it. <laughs> kind of like, I think a little yeah. fire underneath Watsi a bit to be able to like have some FaceTime with the community that, you know, a lot of trust was ruptured between them and, mm -hmm. and the community of, right? So that is my knowledge of this. And also my knowledge of this just based on conversations I had with some content creator um, relations team members uh, at the summit, that basically there was an initial idea for what the summit would be coming from those folks, from the content relations team. And then when it was kind of pitched higher up, it got turned into something else. Uh, like executives mm -hmm. kind of got their hands on it and they were kind of like, mm -hmm. oh, this is an opportunity for a product showcase. This is an opportunity for, opportunity for us to inject some like business stuff into this, right? So whatever right. initial mm -hmm. intentions from the content relations team about maybe even like a, a genuine like face-to-face, -face, let's talk about the future of Watsi, let's talk about your place in it, let's talk about these issues that are important to you. Um, you know, as it went down the pipeline, right? As it went through uh, the red tape of bureaucracy and whatnot, it, it may be you know, p parts of parts of it got changed into this, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. And then there's that added layer, I think, of miscommunication. The fact that the person that had reached out to us was not a member of the content creator team or a member exactly. of any of Watsi's teams. It was this third party, like marketing, you know, or like event organization um, or organizing right. like company, right? So they probably had some like, my my thoughts, and this is just an assumption, um, these folks probably had some notes that they received uh, from like Watsi about here are some things to put in the body of your email as you're organizing this event and they just did the best they could with the information they were given um and they you know like they i i doubt that these people who sent out the email had a full knowledge or full context of every step that this event had gone through before it, it reached them right because yeah. what you just read actually reminds me a little bit of the email that we received initially inviting us to uh interview Kyle Brink, which mm. is to say that it was like, hey, we want to give you an opportunity to ask whatever questions you want. You can publish it however you want. You can edit it however you want. Uh, you get to do with the footage what you want. We will give you this long of a slot. You just tell us when this when you're available. And it was it sounds like, oh, OK, like this is so we can ask you anything and we get mm -hmm. to choose. You don't get to have any say mm -hmm. in how we present this information. What they're saying to you, it sounds in a similar not uh it sounds like
like a similarly positive thing to yes. be like, hey, we want to give you an opportunity to give feedback. Because yep. I notice they list the feedback first. Mm. They do Ew. specifically mention products, but it's like, we want to give you feedback and also show, showcase, showcase the products in parentheses, you know, the VTT, stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And and it sounds like, oh, great, we'll get to give feedback. And then they'll tell us about stuff that's coming up. Mm-hmm. That is literally what I think of when I when I hear what you just read. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I think- uh, was. No, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, was that your expectation based on what, was that how you read it as well? A hundred percent, that was how I read it. And I would not have attended if if it was just going to be a product showcase. Uh, like, a, you know, because, you know, I ha- had work at the time, you know, and I, I, you know, this kind of coincided with a lot of stuff happening on my end with TTRPGs and my day job, like starting to kick off a bit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my decision to attend was very much rooted in the context of, oh, I'll have a chance to like voice my concerns right and give my actionable feedback right not like not just about mm-hmm. the overall business direction of of D&D and and Wizards of the Coast and how they've been handling it but also about like you know a lot of this ruptured trust between various mm-hmm. content creator ecosystems and this product that a lot of us have hitched our horses to for lack of a better term and for better and for worse right and you're right kind of up front the first paragraph in which they actually explain what this is they contextualize it as being like the feedback we got during Packs Unplugged was that the content creator community wanted to have more face time with Wizards staff mm-hmm. and more chances specifically mm-hmm. to give that feedback on how we can, this is a direct quote, improve the experience of making D&D content, right? Which to mm-hmm. me thinks like, oh, accessibility, equity, <laughs> representation, and also mm-hmm. like maybe like maybe some tools-based things, maybe some mechanical things, but like mostly about like my relationship to this product and the brand and its reputation in the space, right? As well as like more chances to see what what's next for D&D, which is fine and great. Like, sure, yeah, like, show us what you're cooking mm-hmm. up with D&D Beyond and the VTT and all that stuff, right? Like, I'm not going to say no to yeah. that, but the main reason I'm going is is to have that FaceTime with execs and with staff and to be like, hey, so this is kind of sucked. <laughs> like, major donkey yeah, butt. Sure. And here are my thoughts about how I can suck less major donkey butt, right? Um, so... It's, and they're paying for it, as which is yeah, like the mm-hmm. other thing that makes it to me reading that I'm like, okay, see now this before if it's like you could come, you know, if you can afford it. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, no, 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 we actually want you to come and tell us stuff. That sounds to me like they're acting on good faith. This is like yeah. a straightforward goodwill gesture. Yes, that's what it where it really reminds me of the email that we got about the mm-hmm. Kyle Blink mm-hmm. Brink thing, where it's like, no, you do with the footage what you want. You can publish it, edit it. Yeah. We have no say in how you do this. So, like, immediately, like, it reminds me of, because at the start, I um, did see a few people, because it, it, it at the very start, it kind of went a bit late, and um, there were a few people who were saying, like, oh, I'm a full-time content creator, I have to go and do other stuff, like, I have to make, you know, mm-hmm. I have to go make things. So, it there was, like, even just at the start, there was that, but then also the fact that you went into this with different expectations, uh, Connie, like, that it was a little bit of a time waste, you know? Yeah. Yes. And I, you know, and we'll, we'll get into the actual like day of the summit itself um, mm. in a second, I'm sure. But like that was that mm. feeling of what am I doing here? Like very much mm. kept creeping up over the course of that particular summit day. But yeah, I had, like Jeremy said, like 
I had every reason to believe this was a gesture in good faith, and I had no reason to believe that this would just kind of be like a PR event or like a marketing event or like a product showcase or even like a focus group or something, right? Like my assumption, especially because they offered to like cover travel, lodging, and per diem, which is like a very yeah. baseline, kind of like the like the bar is really low here, like to remove yeah. like, you know, obstacles for people to be able to attend and, and offer our 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 voices and, and make them heard, right? So like I definitely wouldn't have been able to attend if they had weren't covering travel and lodging mm. and per diem, right? Like, and even with that covered, people were still losing money by being there because we weren't making content <laughs> you know like we weren't doing the thing that actually generates our income as content creators right especially those who depend on a lot or a majority of if not all of our income on this sort of stuff right so mm-hmm. at the time of receiving the email you know i was like oh this seem this seems like something that might actually be valuable like i have a lot of ideas about race you know, and, and now the pivot to species. I have a lot of thoughts about cultural representation in the game. I have a lot of thoughts about D&D's relationship to actual plays, you know, and their relationship to just the content creator communities in general and like ideas about how we can go about repairing trust and, you know, all that stuff, you know, and I, I came with my notebooks, you know, and I came ready to yeah. take notes about their thoughts about the future of D&D and it, it's the brand's relationship to us. Uh, and that just mm-hmm. that just didn't really end up happening uh, on their end. Mm-hmm. Yes. And before we get to that, because we absolutely do need to talk about the event itself, we would be, we would be remiss if we did mm-hmm. not touch on the uh, reaction to the from those who I seemingly it is almost it seems like it almost exclusively the people who reacted negatively were people who did not see this email. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a there appears to have been I I confess I really only saw maybe one tweet that directly addressed it. And I think we all know exactly, based, based on your smile, you know exactly which tweet I'm talking about. Um, I Apparently, there were many, many others that I did not see, but a, there was a huge, there seemed to have been a huge backlash against creators once people mm-hmm. started to announce. Now, here's the interesting mm-hmm. thing. I, I didn't see Wizards announcing that this was happening. Nope, I did no. not see Wizards of the Coast saying, hey, everyone, guess what? We're inviting people to do this, 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 and this. I saw content creators mainly a lot of the smaller ones mm-hmm. who saw this as like a form of like a legitimacy like yeah. oh they respect me thing. as a content creator as somebody in this space yeah go ahead Liv I, I was saying it, it yeah that, it was a big thing I, I, I the, when I was in office hours I'll be really quick with this um there were a few people who actively actively said and they're like yeah I was shocked to be invited here um so yeah no absolutely I could see why people would post about it and be like hey gang yeah, and they seemed really happy and excited mm-hmm. that they're going to get to go and not just like, ooh, yay, I got picked, but more mm-hmm. of like a, wow, I've been, I, I'm being given power to go in and give feedback and get to meet and network with other people and we can help and try and change and form the way the game is going. That was the impression that I got from the posts that I saw. Did you, Connie or Liv, see any, uh, well, we should probably talk about the actual, <laughs> the big tweet uh, <laughs> and then anything else that we wish uh in on this topic D- uh, does somebody other than me want to jump in <laughs> just because i've been talking so much uh does somebody else want to jump in and talk about uh linda Codega's tweet which i believe is the thing that really kicked it off for a lot of people it was a tweet thread really yes uh i can i can take this i can i can go ahead and, and talk uh so i'll i'll first start with like the initial tweets uh which were people announcing right that they were going right so uh there were a uh, I want to say maybe it started with like I saw in my timeline maybe a half dozen and then it wrapped up to maybe about a dozen people like around that number were announcing like 
hey folks, like I'm so excited to have been, it's like to, to the degree of like, I'm excited to have been invited to this content creator summit. Like mm -hmm. uh, a couple of the tweets thanked Wizards being like, oh, thank you for the invitation. Like, thank you Wizards team for like having me on. Like, I'm so excited to share what comes out of it. Like general kind of tweets like that. Not too much information in them because the only information we had was that there was a summit and we were invited, right? Like that was the only info mm -hmm. we were given. Um, so my perspective of what went down is at first, there was like this burst of positivity, right? There was an mm -hmm. initial flare of positivity on the timeline and folks in the replies were like mostly congratulating people for going or being like, whoa, this is so awesome. This is so cool. Like, I hope you have a great time. Da -da 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 -da. Um, I also want to note that a lot of the people who posted about this, at least in my circles, because most of my circles are of this demographic, that I could see were people of color. Uh, there were a lot of trans mm -hmm. people, uh, queer people and people of color posting about like having been invited. And it is really interesting same, too. Same for me. Yeah, because something you bring up yeah, that I, I that I want to address for a second here is that there were uh, some folks who were like uh, smaller creators who they seemed surprised, right, to have been invited to this event. And I think there's there's a degree of surprise, you know, from myself as well uh, about like the the kinds of folks who were invited. Uh, I'm really happy that they were, and I mm -hmm. if I had a feeling, and I still have a feeling that the folks in charge of the invite lists were the people part of the content creator relations team who are like mm -hmm. very queer and like very representationally minded and like um, who care about diversity and inclusion in the space, who probably mm -hmm. did the work to do the research, mm -hmm. you know, for like the more indie creators who aren't as big, who haven't been on as many things, but who are still doing really good work in the space. So that is my hunch about why those folks were invited. Uh, and I, you know, my hunch is all very positive, right? I think it came from a really good faith place about the kinds yeah. of folks who were chosen. And I think there was a lot of intentionality on the content creator relations team to invite folks who were diverse. Because when we showed up, like, um, I would say it was maybe like 50-50 uh, white folks and people of color, I would say. There maybe mm -hmm. more like 60-40, you know, like, but but I was surprised by the number of people of color who were there in person mm -hmm. um, in, in a good way. Like surprised in a good way. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, da okay. Like this isn't just like I'm not the only you know person of color in like a sea of snow. Yeah, here, right. Which yeah, is it must nice, have been a relief right? <laughs> for sure. And I got you know. So that was you know. I think there was a lot of good faith on that content creator relations team. Um, and and good intentions in terms of the kinds of folks who were invited. So that out of the way. Um, and then started trickling in. I think some. Some prickles of negativity, I would say. Uh, I would say Lynn Codega's tweet is probably the largest one just because of like the platform and the reach they have. But they were certainly not the first um, person to tweet in a um, given critique, I think, uh, to the way that people were posting about being invited to the content creator relations summit, uh, content creator summit, and also maybe the concept of the summit in general. Uh, mm -hmm. And the kinds of critique that folks received i would say ranged from very mild to like outright hateful and i just want to be clear here i don't think what lynn codega themselves posted was outright hateful they never actually posted anything that was like vile or anything like that and i just want to like get the record straight there um i do think that what they posted kind of maybe some folks saw it as like maybe permission or like an invitation to kind of start going into content creators mentions and being like you know calling them shills right or like calling them bootlickers <laughs> calling them like mm. butt lickers cloud chaser was cloud chasers cloud chasers exactly was a, was a big term that was being thrown around <laughs> i think um 
you know, and I think that was when shit started going downhill, <laughs> like yeah. pretty big, pretty quickly. Uh, and I was kind of in the middle of drafting my own tweet about I was invited and like I'm using this as an opportunity to like tell wizards my my truth, you know, my feelings and, you know, my thoughts and my feedback. And then I started seeing all this shit coming out. And I was like, that <laughs> I like went to bed first instead of tweeting about it because uh, I was like, God damn, Jesus Christ. Christ. Like it was immediately <laughs> like um sharks smelling chum in the water a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. a lot of the reason for this immense and very sudden backlash is also because there's still a lot of open wounds from that OGL fallout. Mm-hmm. And this was the first public big move on Wizards part post OGL to have any sort of community relations event or yep. anything. Mm-hmm. And it was this content creator summit that they didn't post about but then like a bunch of like creators posted about right which makes it more exclusive right yes makes it seem like oh only these people were selected oh they're better than this okay yes which is that's just mess and like the thing about that is the initial email didn't have anything in it that said like hey this is an nda event please don't share that you're going or like don't share that you're invited there was nothing attached to like the Mm -hmm. signature of the email that i see sometimes being like any information shared in the content of this email is confidential please don't share it outside of this email nothing like that it was just kind of like here you don't have any content requirements go for it yay so i think folks because there was no nda or like no request initially felt okay to post about it and i think it was fine like legally i don't think wizards cared that they posted about it but i think there was a lack of maybe forethought and foreplanning on wizard's side about like hey tensions are still kind of sore maybe we should get ahead of this <laughs> maybe we should get ahead of this and and be proactive and post something on our official channels about this event that can then establish what it is and what it isn't mm-hmm. and prevent a lot of pain and prevent a lot of like yes. hurt feelings and some legitimate threats, actually, uh, like actual mm-hmm. threats and, and threats of doxing and, and kind of scary things that have happened yeah. to some uh, specific content creators who have posted about this, right? Uh, and then, you know, Lynn's thread came out and then there was some like back and forth, back and forth, right? Like some content creators stepped up to like sort of defend themselves against some honestly very unfair accusations about why they were going mm-hmm. and what the event was in the first place because, you know, the people making the accusations didn't have the email and had no idea what it was. I think there was, like you said, an assumption that it was some exclusive party, mm-hmm. uh, that there was like mm-hmm. an element of being wined and dined by Watsi, you know, some fear mm-hmm. that like if we went, we would go back on our ideals, like some fear that, the, you know, and some like exasperation perhaps and frustration that like, oh, like, of course you would like just go to this cool thing with wizards, you know, even it, though it has, you know, the OGL's body isn't even cold yet, you know, or whatever. Like, you know, like, her body's still warm. Right, so, like, yeah. it was just kind of a shit fest, like, all around. And I, I feel very much like Donald Glover in Community, because I know you love Community, like, coming into the pizza box. Like, being yeah, like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that was... kind of, like... Um, content creators were almost like a proxy for wizards during that time yes like a kind of like everyone's still hurt and they need to take it out on someone and apparently it's going to be the content creators yeah i would love to say that yeah wizards should have thought about that but they haven't had a a great history recently of of having any forethought about these kind of things i don't know Mm. yeah i'm right there with you Liv. this really does like basically my my 
feeling about the whole thing was, oh, I get why people are very skeptical about this because the way it was handled by wizards was weirdly mysterious. It's Mm. weird that they didn't come out and say, hey, everyone, we're going to be having this and we've invited so many people or something like that uh, up front. But also because of the whole OGL fiasco, because of the lack of trust, Connie, that you mentioned, people have every reason to be skeptical of an event like this and to be like, okay, well, let's see what people say. Let's keep an eye out because there were some posts that I saw that were like, look, I will wait to reserve judgment on this. But right Mm -hmm. now, my hopes are not high. Mm -hmm. But and I also agree with you. I do not think that Linda Codega was actually trying to be harmful or hurtful. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I think the word choice was bad. I think using the phrase clout chaser was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it just has too many negative connotations mm-hmm. and using like, I, I, maybe not to Linda, but I think to most <laughs> people, if you call someone a clout chaser, that's considered a criticism. Mm-hmm. That's considered oh, yeah. a negative criticism, potentially even an insult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I would say. Yeah. And so I was like, I kind of get what you're trying to say, but I don't think it's having the effect you wanted. Yeah. Like I under I think I understood and honestly even kind of agreed with the heart of Lynn's argument. Uh but like mm-hmm. I think I guess like the specific language and like the I guess the way in which they 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 laid out their argument and the thread was just like a little inflammatory and it was exacerbating tensions when it it could have attempted mm-hmm. to open up a more reasonable dialogue but also it's Twitter <laughs> you know like yeah. also it's Twitter so like true. it's not the place for reasonable dialogue <laughs> and I agree that the term clout chaser was was inflammatory and probably not like was definitely not the best term they could have used in that situation. And I think it, it just kind of was kind of like a it felt a little bit like a like a hunting horn went off. And like suddenly yeah. dogs were going, clout chasers. Yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah. you know, and that was the only thing that people heard from the thread, which I think is kind of unfortunate. And, you know, a lot of that is is because of the terminology that was used. Um mm. I also want to say that the thing that's also frustrating about this is there are legitimate critiques to be had and leveled at wizards about the way they went about organizing this event and communicating information about the event. And even the way in which they like sent out invites to us, like through this Mm -hmm. third party and Mm -hmm. the communication Mm -hmm. or lack thereof about how to talk about this event. Um, Mm -hmm. And And what exactly the event was going to be and the details, what the the format was going to be, all that stuff. And those are all failures and missteps on wizards behalf. Not, on our back, like we didn't do anything yeah. wrong. The the only crime that the content creators who were posting about it have committed, quote unquote, crime is being invited, right? And then yeah. having the audacity to share on their social media platforms. I was invited to this thing, right? And then it, it very much mm-hmm. felt like the folks who posted about it were catching catching strays like in immensely. Like people were trying to shoot at wizards, but instead they were just they were gu- kind of like hurting and hurting the feelings of and the reputations of and sort of swinging at the fences comprised of content creators who are sharing public information about this, right? And some people were going so far as to extrapolate that if if folks were sharing publicly that they were invited, then that was a mark on their character morally, right? Like, oh, if you're posting about going, then you're a clout chaser, right? If you're posting about going, then you're just trying to elevate your own standing in Wizards, even if you're saying you're going to critique, which I think like, I'm not sure if I agree with that argument necessarily. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I... It's a very bad faith reading. Yeah, I would say so. You know, and I think there's... It's a lot more nuanced than just that, right? So yeah. that, you know, f- there was so much baggage immediately already before we even stepped on the plane. <laughs> you know, before we even got on yes. the plane flew to Washington. So that was yeah. a... Yeah. We, 
Three BH definitely like uh, that was partly why we never said that we were invited because mm-hmm. we at some point got an email and we were like I remember Jasper messaging me and being like that moment when you see an email in your inbox from Wizards inviting you to the summit and he had the the Keen Peel sketch where he's just Jordan Peel just sweating, just sweating profusely <laughs> yeah. and it's just like oh no uh, so yeah that's why we never said anything and I personally I think like uh, live uh, you you could say if you disagree but I fully condemn the behaviors of people who were going after content creators who were invited in that way, mm-hmm. uh, especially oh, yeah. because it did seem to disproportionately affect uh, marginalized people. Um, I know Joan from uh, Joan, friend of the show, 3BH Avengers. She had messaged me initially when she was invited and was very happy about it and then had tweeted about it. And then I did not see direct backlash towards her. But I do know that f- based on her subsequent tweets that it greatly affected her negatively mm-hmm. uh and i know that there were a number of people i think including joan who felt it necessary even to uh make live streams trying to explain what actually oh, no. the yep. email said yeah I but, saw that, because yeah because yeah, people were shooting from the hip mm-hmm. with on this one and just attacking um yeah. i i fully uh i fully condemn that activity there was i oh, i understand shit. skepticism i think that's justified um and i think uh maybe critical nuance is absolutely justified and necessary but you can't be just going off like that like the way that they did it no. was they were attacking the wrong people i like, agree yeah they they can't get to wizards so they were doing the next best possible thing yep. in their minds which was taking it out on creators and i mean in terms of posting about it i it just never crossed my mind to do it i would have done I, I just just didn't even think about it i was like yeah cool i'll go to this thing i i, I guess it was a testament to how kind of low my expectations were of it i just didn't think to post about it but yeah no i i think that yeah i i yeah i agree just just don't go after the creators we're we're out here doing our best you know like (laughs) yeah Mm. rough Mm Uh, so should we move on now that we've talked about what the initial communication was or lack thereof, uh, what the expectations were and the, the backlash mess that all occurred with all the baggage leading into the event. Let's talk about the actual event. Um, so there were, I believe three sections, uh, I'm following, uh, shout out to Daniel Kwan again, cause I'm following his summary yeah. of the events. Uh, yeah. Uh, Daniel, we will have him on the show someday cause he's great. Um, <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
but uh, he he said that the session, first session was opening remarks uh, from the CEO of Wizards of the Coast, Cynthia Williams, and Dixon Dubow. Uh, shout out to Dixon. I have met Dixon. Dixon is the bomb.com, uh, <laughs> who is for, with the D&D character, uh, create, not character relations, creator relations team. So in that part of the event, was there any, is there anything worth commenting on in the initial opening remarks from your perspective, Connie, as somebody who was there? Uh, I took notes and then I stopped taking notes after that event because I went, oh, this is what this is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have the notes that I took right here on, on camera. Um, but, and I wrote down like the list of the, you know, team members that came up on the slide. I know there were some in- intense technical difficulties, especially in the oh, first God, half yeah. where there was like no video and like the audio mm-hmm. was like super all over the place. Um, but mm-hmm. basically the exact logistical layout was the day of the summit itself because a lot of us came in like the night before uh the day of the summit itself i think that was like the monday uh we went to wizards headquarters uh we went to their office one of their offices uh and we the in-person group we were split into two different halves so one half kind of went off to have this uh morning presentation as the first thing we did i was part of like group a let's say and then group b was split off into further subgroups to get hands-on experience with their new vtt and the first half and then we swapped right so then and then group a split off into a bunch of smaller subgroups to do the vtt and then the vtt groups like coagulated into one big group b and then they had they uh experienced the same like like opening remarks essentially is my understanding of what happened um and there was some virtual integration i know they had like a, a webcam set up uh in like the atrium uh with like the big drizzit like statue uh in the back mm-hmm. uh, i don't know how well that went or if anyone was there for it on the virtual side uh but there were opening remarks i, I was there for it and i couldn't see shit okay i mean that is super fair but my understanding is that those were the opening remarks and everyone was kind of in that atrium together like all 30 ish of us in person and some like a good number of wizard staff 32 yes yes 32 and then we Uh, split off 32 30 to 40 people were invited and 100 uh invited in person 32 attended 150 were invited to be virtual attendees 80 to 90 attended Mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt please no you're good those numbers sound correct uh based based on everything all the information i have uh so yeah there were opening remarks and the remarks were just kind of like you know there were there were there were like nice you know remarks nothing especially mm. inflammatory or controversial just like thanks for being here we're excited to show you the future of D like let's go do the thing you know and that was pretty much mm. it uh so nothing particularly stood out to me positively or negatively about that um and then we split off and then i went off to i think i think they called it like their game room or something uh and it's mm. like this big room with like a big table that has like a a literal like virtual table built into it right and then like some sofas and chairs and projection screens and whatnot uh and then we received the dnd beyond presentation uh and i took notes i took a lot of notes about the dnd beyond presentation uh Mm -hmm. i took like four or five pages and then i was like why am I taking notes? I don't use the <laughs> Yeah, but I would that... have loved to have been there where you like looked the the, pres- the presenter in the eye and slowly closed your notebook. No, that literally, like, I think no. that literally happened though. I was like, oh, okay. Oh. They're asking about like how do we make you know 
you know, we're talking about the mobile play experience and they're the, we're, what are some key features we want to get up to parity there, right? And like, you know, our vision for D&D Beyond, you know, as like a theme park for D&D, right? And like ideas about what should we build next? Now we're, and so when they opened the, they basically just did like a big presentation on D&D Beyond and the future of it, right? Because the, the D&D Beyond team was acquired about like a year ago, I want to say. So there were like some team members who had just been integrated. Uh, and then they opened up the floor uh, to what should we build next? And then there were like several suggestions um, and, and questions from folks about like, oh, any thoughts about a physical and digital bundle, right? Like, oh, if you buy like a physical book, could you integrate it digitally, right? And like, oh, like a suggestion for like change, being able to change DMs, you know, in a campaign and like mm -hmm. implementing like an admin role that isn't just DM locked, right? Being able to change the number of players, NPCs, guests, like like actual feature requests, right? And like like mm -hmm. stuff like that that were very D&D beyond like geared toward, yeah. uh, you know, suggestions and questions about legacy edition support, stuff like that. And I like I kind of started to tune out at that point because I was just <laughs> sort of like, okay, this is just not my wheelhouse. Like I'm not mm -hmm. a software dev. I'm not I'm like sure. a D and D Beyond sponsored AP show, you know. Like mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a content creator who makes like really gay art, you know. So like this, it really <laughs> didn't feel relevant to me. And I would like a part of me was like, why? Why did you invent a bunch of invite a bunch of content creators? Not all of us who use this platform, and not all of us mm -hmm. have the experience or interest in being able to talk about it um, with the kind of rigor that like a, a focus group might be able to give you, right? So like, mm -hmm. and then someone stepped up and asked a question about um, like accessibility. Like, oh, all these cool new, like, features that you want to have, like, what is your plan for making it accessible? Because the more um, stuff you add on to a product, the less accessible it becomes, just kind of, like, by nature of having a product that scales upward in terms of co complexity. And the particular person who asked this question was, like, a, um, oh, God, I'm so, Dr. B, I'm so sorry if I'm misrepresenting <laughs> what you do in the space, <laughs> uh, like, a, a, a disability, like, focused psychologist, I think. Uh, and like not necessarily even a, even like a content creator, like a TikToker or a cosplayer, but like someone who focuses on like disability justice and disability rights, right? From like a clinical and psych, psych, uh, psychology lens, right? And I actually spoke to him afterward and he was kind of like, yeah, I don't know why I was invited because I figured they'd invite me for my specific experience and expertise yeah. as like a disability person. So I was trying to think from that perspective and I was like, you know, and the answer he got was very much like, well, think about it. <laughs> you know, like, oh, thanks for bringing it up. We'll think about it. You know, and, like they didn't really have any answers. So he's just kind of like, yeah. what am I doing here? <laughs> like, I, I'm not a software dev. What am I doing here? Right. So like I brought up during that conversation um, of like, oh, maybe there could be like a, a I'd love for there to be more customizability, just generally speaking, and maybe like a scaling level of customizability because I don't do race the way you have to do race on mm -hmm. D&D Beyond. That's mm -hmm. a big reason why I don't use it. Like we don't use we don't tie racial feats to to the base race you pick, right? Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, are there going to be ways to address that in the future? And I'm sure there's, like, tons of other use cases beyond just, like, race building that my concern might address, you know? And, like, talking, you know, in terms of what Dr. B said, like, this a scaling version of customizability would also maybe, like, help with this accessibility. Like, if there was a version of D&D Beyond, like, a basic version that you could toggle on that, like, just has your stats and, like, your spells and that's it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to, like, any of that mm -hmm. other shit, right? Like, that, I think, would make it a lot more accessible like so stuff like that just like little you know things back and forth back and forth back and forth and the general response from the dnd beyond like developer team and like the watsi staff that were there was like oh thanks for like uh bringing this up we'll we'll make a note 
That was it, right? Mm. They were like, oh, well, we'll, yeah. just, we'll just take notes. And they couldn't really say anything too concrete about whether or not they would absolutely implement this or like specific ideas for how they would implement it. Because, you know, my understanding was that none of it was really locked in yet. And a lot of, of features were very much in flight, in flight, right? Maybe even pre, mm-hmm. pre-flight, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, folks spoke up. I think someone else mentioned about like making D&D Beyond more accessible for like, uh, uh, lower income areas and folks who Mm. don't always have a stable internet connection you know and like you know questions about that and there was kind of like a dodged answer for that as well but more of a like a good idea we'll think about it you know sort of situation Mm. uh so yeah there were also some interesting questions about the DD marketplace i think this was a virtual attendee question um during my group like someone brought up like how is the D&D marketplace going to work? Like, what's the revenue share going to look like? You know, like for third-party creators. And the person who fielded it, I think maybe misunderstood the question uh, because he was like, oh, there is going to be, like, whatever whatever you make, you're obviously going to own and you're going to make money off of it, but didn't say anything about percentage mm. split, you know, because I know, I think mm. currently, like, DM skill takes, like, 50% or something, like, really outrageous. I've never published there, so I could mm. just be quoting numbers out my butt, um, but I know it takes, right. like, a, a significant... It's a higher percentage than most people yes. would want. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was no percentage exact split given, and there was also, like, they were like, you would own it, but they didn't specifically say that, like, you know, we would get to use it to in, in any way, shape, or form either. But I assume that this this is all, like, you know, legal specifics that they will go over with a fine-tooth comb when the D&D marketplace is ready to launch. Um, and right. it doesn't feel like it's ready to launch, like, certainly not in the next few months. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, those those are my notes. <laughs> I kind of yeah. give you a play-by-play yeah. of all the notes that I took uh, for that particular mm-hmm. uh, meeting of the group I was in. So by the um, end of it, I had closed my notebook and stopped writing. <laughs> completely fair i um just to, to jump on that as well connie I, I when i was there for the morning the office hour section i was in it seemed very similar a uh, very similar vibe of just kind of like oh yeah cool great um we don't know about that but we might eventually mm-hmm. um that kind of thing and um uh also i noticed that uh for the virtual i'm not sure how this manifested in the um face-to-face uh version connie but um they had gone to great lengths to have interpreters uh, for people who um, who weren't able to hear. And I was like, that's great. That's awesome. But then I'm pretty sure um, people were asking questions regarding accessibility um, who um, who are differently abled uh, and they didn't really have any answers. And I was like, oh, that's 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 interesting. Like, so my yeah. understanding of the inclusion of interpreters for virtual mm. attendees is that someone in the invite list was like, hey, are there going to be interpreters for this event? And Watsi mm. was like, yes. And then like, <laughs> like this <laughs> was a few weeks ago, right? Watsi was like, yes, there are. And then like a few <laughs> days before the event, I think the same person followed up and was like, hey, are there going to be interpreters for the event? And they were like, no. Uh, so this person, <laughs> what? this attendee, like, was like, I work in the, you know, in, in like disability rights and like was mm-hmm. able to get like some interpreters kind of last minute. Okay. And my understanding mm-hmm. is that the reason, like, that, well, it wasn't Watsy. <laughs> They didn't do it proactively. Nope, they did not do it proactively. Oh, okay, good to know. I'm not going to like name it. Retracting that W. (laughs) Yeah, right? I was like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, this is um, what you're describing sounds similar to what I heard in reports, which is that uh, they 
came in trying to showcase the VTT, but actually were not able to answer many questions about it, either because they hadn't considered some of the stuff that people were saying, or just the people who would have actually been able to answer may not have been present. That was the impression mm. that I received. I don't know if the D- I don't know if the dev team was there like fielding questions, but it sounds like consistently people would bring stuff up and they'd be like, oh, is that something you'd want? Okay, write that down, <laughs> write that down. Uh, and the vibe was like, yeah, we'll definitely consider. Uh, but remembering the email that you read, mm-hmm. the VTT, all that stuff was listed last. This session mm-hmm. sounds fine to do at the end of a of of a day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we've answered all your questions. Now let's talk about what we're planning. And we can try and apply the stuff that we've already described. To You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the questions we've already filled, mm-hmm. you can now try and bring that back up and see like, see now this would be an area where you could apply. Like I, I would not have had an issue with this if it was, okay, we've had six hours of, of what we actually initially described. Now here's the other thing we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you not taking notes anymore makes perfect sense because it sounds like they it's like oh no the 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 parenthetical was actually the main focus yes yeah (laughs) that was very much the feeling i have a lot of feelings about how i think they could have run this uh in like a much better way um and i'll I'll Mm. get to that probably like in a second because i i i have thoughts about very minor thoughts uh, about the, the VTC presentation as well. So like after everything I walked y'all through about like um, the D&D Beyond presentation, like my group, we then split off into small like subgroups. And then each of us went into a different room that had like a like a fancy Alienware laptop, you know, and they were all like wired in and like the Alienware laptops were like really, really, really hot. And they were like running this VTT, right? And I'm like, damn, oh, if this like a high end Alienware laptop is like chugging and yeah. puffing and puffing like a, you know, like... And they were like, oh, we want to make sure that the VTT will be like a mobile available experience. And I'm like, damn, I don't know. That is physically possible, my dude. Uh, So to be fair, it's like a pre, you know, they showed us like a pre, like a pre, pre, pre alpha build of it. It's like a a very, very vertical slice uh, of the software that they were developing. And we played through like a mock um, session of like a D&D session. Right. So one of the devs, I think, I think he was one of the devs uh, was the GM. You know, and like we had like these pre-gen characters and like the VTT for what it's worth is beautiful. It looks like it looks like a like a triple A video game. Like the mm. graphics are incredible. Like it it looks gorgeous. Um, some issues with the camera scrolling and stuff like that. And, you know, my, my biggest, you know, fears are I don't think I don't think, a, you know, most people's computers would be able to handle this. Um, no. And, you know, the features that they had were really shiny and neat. You know, they were, they were shiny bells and whistles mm-hmm. and they were neat, right? It, like, they populated, they had like a cool animation for a monster that appeared, you know, on, on in the terrain. Like there was some cool stuff about, you know, uh, kind of you had like a hot bar at the bottom uh, where, I don't know if that's what it's called, uh, hockeys, a bar yeah. at the bottom with hockeys that you could uh, oh, like yeah. tap, like kind of looked like a, a like, uh, a, a wow UI a little bit. So if you mm. were a rogue and you wanted to like, uh, like sneak attack, you could just like press a button and a bam, like you could like activate that right and roll that dice right. Uh, there were like some cool things about like how the tokens appeared and what dice looked like in the VTT. Uh, but it was very much just like a here's a shiny new toy, like drive around with it and like try it out. Mm-hmm. And my group, for what it's worth, like we didn't have too many questions. We we're just like, this is cool, nice, neat. Yeah, this is still in mm-hmm. development, right? Cool. Okay, so. I have thoughts about the camera. Oh, you knew that already. Okay, cool. Well, I have thoughts about the music and oh, oh, you knew that already. Okay. Well, I have thoughts about how like the names are displayed and oh, oh, you're aware of that. Cool. Okay. Um, mm. 
great. You know, like, cool. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then it was lunchtime. And then we went yeah. to lunch. <laughs> and, like, half the day was over, right? Uh, so. Oh, wow. Should so, we move on to the second session with that? Uh, yes. At that point? Yes, I would love to. So wild. Uh, some yeah. <laughs> context for lunch. Uh, this was, you know, around the time. So the second session happened at the hotel that we were at, like in this like big conference room that they had. Um, and our understanding was that the second half of the summit would be split into two parts. The first part would be another VTT presentation. Uh, and then the second part would be Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins coming in to talk about the core rules update for like the next version of fifth edition. Right. And to feel like mm-hmm. and have like a Q&A session at like the end of both of those events. So during lunch, I sat with, you know, some some cool folks and I was just kind of like. You know, I was like eating my food and thinking like, hmm, hmm, you know, I was just sitting there like reflecting and processing and going, hmm. Mm-hmm. So I asked a few people like, hey, folks, how are we feeling about what's been going on so far? <laughs> what's the vibe? And like the general sentiment from the people I was eating lunch with was like, yeah, uh, not what I was expecting. Kind of disappointed that this is what is going on. Like, I hope the second half has more like substance. And, like, has more answers for us, too. Because we were asking questions that we were not getting answers about anything, you know? Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Let's hope that the second half is better, too. And then we went into the second half. And this was some, like, <laughs> some poor dude. <laughs> some poor dude who's in charge of the VTT, right? He had this, like, Aww. whole PowerPoint presentation. You know, he's like, oh, like, here are the goals of the VTT. And, like, he was, like, really excited Aww. about it, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. but, like, we were... <laughs> but the content creators were sitting there being, like... Like, what is, like, this is not what we came. Like, there's a general sense in the room of, like, okay, we're done. We're the done with the VTT. rising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's like, like, it was kind of like being in, like, I felt like I was a little bit in, like, not a pressure cooker, but in, like, a kind of confused theater mm. where, like, you came to see Hamlet and it's West Side mm-hmm. Story. And you're just sitting there and you're like, okay. You know, like, people are just sitting there like, this yeah. isn't bad, I guess, but, like, it's not the bar. It's, like, not what we were expecting, right? Like, it's yeah, just not... Yeah, this is different. It's, this could have been fun, yes. but I didn't come for this. I don't like musicals. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And there was a sense of just, like, I think a general sense of confusion, and, like, it kind of felt like there was a miasma in the room, from my perspective, at least. Like, no one was really addressing, like... The elephant in the room, which is the OGL, and the fact there was that a growing that, elephant. Yeah, there was a growing. <laughs> yeah. The elephant was very small at the beginning, but by now it was like fully an adult. It was an adolescent, Power but there was an elephant in the room. It was an adolescent, and it was inside this dude's PowerPoint, right? So, like, <laughs> so I just completely tuned out for the entire presentation. Like, I was sitting next to Jay, and we were just drawing pictures on our notepads back and forth uh i was just mm-hmm. not paying attention because i was like this is not relevant to me i don't use vtt's like this is cool mm-hmm. you know and like kudos to this dude who spent a lot of time working on this presentation but like it's not relevant to me um and then they opened it up to q a mm-hmm. and that was a little bit when 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 start really stuff really started popping off a bit. Uh, how they handled Q and A in person is uh, they handed out like initiative cards basically. So you raise your hand and they give you an initiative card and the initiative uh, like one through I think they only had like six or seven uh, and it would be in order of that you'd receive the card. And I got like number two or three or something like that because I was sitting right by the front. Uh, and like the first few questions that folks asked, I think in person uh, were. In relation to the VTT, there were like VTT specific questions that I honestly kind of, I kind of forget what they were, but they were about like, oh, these features, blah, 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 you know, like what have you. And then like, and then like, you know, they called my number for the initiative car and I took the mic and I was like, hey, I was basically like, what are we doing here? I was like, so, yeah. so I'm just going to straight up say like, 
I feel like there has been a misalignment of expectations. And like speaking for myself, I came here expecting to be able to give feedback uh, about the direction of D&D and like my feelings about like your handling of like all these things like race, accessibility, equity or whatever. I forget the exact way I said it, you know, but I was like, you know, and I have another part of my question, too, uh, because in my head, I was like, my question was was going to be either more or less inflammatory and angry based on how they would f- answer this pre-question. And my pre-question mm-hmm. was, well, do you have any time planned for the rest of this summit for us to be able to like talk about concerns other than like D&D Beyond and the VTT, you know? Mm-hmm. And like this dude was like, uh, <laughs> he didn't fight. Like he was a VTT guy. He was yeah. like, I don't fucking know. Uh, so I well, think- How did that elephant get in my PowerPoint? Exactly. <laughs> like, what? Walking out onto Hello? the stage. Yeah, so oh, I God. think I could be wrong on this. So like, I don't want to be necessarily quoted on this. I think it was Kyle Brink who took the mic and field of the question or like another mm-hmm. uh, Watsi executive, right? A, a higher level mm-hmm. dude who could actually feel the question. It was either way, uh, mm-hmm. was a white dude, right? He was like, I can feel mm-hmm. this question. And he basically like, I don't exactly remember what he said. Um... But it was basically kind of like a, a wishy-washy answer. He was like, there's going to be time for to discuss the cool, core rules update with Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins after this. You know, like, but for mm. now, like, this is, you know, it's about the, you know, VTT or whatever, yeah. right? And I was As like... As we've discovered previously, Kyle is very good at that. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. kind of like a non-answer that I got to my question. And I was like, okay, thanks. Uh, and... <laughs> And then we t- <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks. And then we took a break, right? And then we took a break uh, before coming back. Mm-hmm. And during the break, like outside the conference area, like folks, like other content creators were coming up to me being like, uh, thanks for saying that. Cause I feel like kind of like I was in a state of hypnosis uh, up until that point being like, why am I here? And then, oh, right. That's why I'm here. Right. Or like, you know, being like, yeah, like I feel the same way. Like I, I I'm not here to just like look at their shiny new toys. You know, I feel, mm-hmm. you know, I think what I said as part of my question was like, this feels like a product showcase or a PR event. And that's not yeah, what, this I, is an what I came here for. This is an expo, right? not a summit. Exactly. This is not a summit. Uh, so, you know, just organically, a kind of like circle formed outside of the, mm. um, the presentation area where like all we were all content creators we were all just kind of airing grievances to each other and then mm-hmm. this dude bless his heart i think he was a member of the content creator relations team he came up he had a notepad he was like hey so thank you connie for like bring that up do do you or any other folks have like actual like specific questions you wanted us to address mm-hmm. about just like anything in general or folks started talking about their actual concerns like about accessibility about the harassment you know like not just okay. around this event but just in general that we necessarily receive as being dnd related content creators so any misstep mm-hmm. dnd takes is a reflection on us and it hurts us and hurts our mm-hmm. livelihood stuff like that people were starting to say like yeah like I really put my life on hold to come here and I feel really upset that like we're not getting to talk about the things that we were here to talk about. And like other folks were saying like, yeah, we a lot of us were called uh, clout chasers and shills and even received actual threats for coming. And it kind of feels like they're right by this point. You know, like we're, we're, we weren't, we have not had the chance to actually say our feelings. And if this is how the event goes, then, you know, those criticisms were actually correct. Like we just came here and we just ate free food and we just played your toys and left, you know, and like that is not okay with us. You know, like that is not what we came here for. Like emotions were starting to increase by this point. So this dude, he was writing furiously. <laughs> oh my God, this man is going, going all over the pad. <laughs> and this guy was actually like, I got the sense that he was actually genuinely very much trying to listen to us. And he was like, thank you for like bringing this up. Like I'm going to run this up the chain of command and I'm going to see what we can do. Right. So then, you know, at the end of break, there was an announcement to all of us like, hey, we're going to based on kind of 
the the feelings and the tensions of the room, right? Uh, we're gonna do an impromptu before the D and D core rules update section. Um, we're gonna do an impromptu like thirty minute Q and A session for all of you to like be able to ask whatever questions you might want related to the VTC or D and D beyond or not. Like thirty minutes and y- y'all get to do it, right? We were like, great. So we went back in and the thirty minute Q and A session started. I think Kyle Brink was one of the people fielding questions. There was like one mm-hmm. other Watsi exec. Neither of the dudes fielding questions were uh, Christopher Perkins or uh, Jeremy Crawford. Jeremy Crawford, right? Yes. Yeah. And we actually, one of us even asked dur- while this person, this Watsi employee, was giving this announcement, like, "Hey, will Jeremy and Chris be there?" Uh, and they were like, "Yes." They never showed up. Um, they did not show up until uh, the Q&A was over, even though it ran past 30 minutes. I think in total, the Q&A actually went for 90 minutes total. Um, I mean, of course. And I'll get to that <laughs> yeah. in a second. But yeah, Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins didn't show up. They just didn't show up uh, until it was their turn to talk about the core rules update and like tensions had kind of diffused by then, which I have a lot of feelings about. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. felt like they hid from us, uh, which I'm kind of upset about. Uh, so anyway, uh, the Q&A began and... <laughs> It was intense. And actually, before it started, uh, CB uh, was like, can I say something before we begin? Critical Bard, yes, Omega. Mm -hmm. We love Omega in this house. Uh, They Mm -hmm. were like, so I just want to address something before we begin, which is that like folks have been kind of dismissive to people asking questions up until this point. And there has been like a kind of sense of disrespect coming from people who are answering the questions. And I just want to make sure that doesn't happen again, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, folks were like nodding and like agreeing with that. And I was, I felt very grateful that CB uh, stood up and said that because, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that he, you know, he just straight up named it and said, said it caught it what it was and then the q a session began and here's the high level here's first of all (laughs) my general high level takeaway from the q a which is that honestly the executive dudes i mean for lack of a better term like a lot of like the like cis head like white dudes Mm -hmm. who fielded the questions had not a lot of kyle brink thinks should leave the hobby <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> but who who aren't who don't and who won't, right? Like right, that's real. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh didn't have great emotional acumen, let's say. And like despite mm-hmm. what CB said, they were still kind of answering some questions kind of shortly or dodging answers. At one mm-hmm. point, um, I think it was Kyle. Uh someone asked a question, you know, it was when Jay was asking to extend uh, the the Q and A s- session past the thirty minute runtime, uh, and we put it to a vote. Basically, because Jay was like, "I think if we put it to a vote here, like a lot of people in this room would vote to extend the Q and A session." And Kyle Brink was like, "Okay, fine, whatever." Like, oh, you know, but he had, up until the point he had wow. said something like, "Oh, you know, let's we're all excited to get to the you know part of this that we actually came here for," you know the core rules update and he rolled his eyes a little bit when he said that um and that was kind of when like some people like left the room because that was just like oh like come on dude like you can't you can't respond like that you can't um so jay has to put it to a vote at the end of the initial 30 minute period and like almost every single person like two there was like two-thirds majority or something like like definitely over half uh of content creators in the room like myself included we raised our hand and i think virtual Mm -hmm. folks were also like um, in chat going like yes we want to extend it and there was mm. a lot of support for that in chat as well but i wasn't there in person like just some of my friends who were in there in chat were like yeah there was a lot of support for the folks in in, in the room uh in the virtual chat so there were a lot of like just dodged questions and like just poor emotional handling i think of a lot of genuine concerns from like 
the white dude execs. Uh, and mm-hmm. but in contrast, a lot of the younger right uh, uh, folks on the content creator relations team were actually giving genuine answers like Dixon, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. Sarah Chaffee, uh, also, you know, Latia. And Mm -hmm. I think there's one other person um, whose name and whose face I'm forgetting, but I feel like there were four people. There were four people who were actually giving Mm -hmm. us answers and like, there are no other answers from anyone else. And kind of like by the end of the Q&A period, everyone was like really, was like there was a ton of support for Dixon specifically in the room because Dixon would actually take the mic and like actually give real answers and, you know, thoughts and ideas about um, some of the concerns that were raised. Speaking of which, some of the concerns that were raised that I was in the room for, because I did have to step out like um, briefly just to like gather myself for a second and to check on some folks who had stepped out as well. Um, Mm-hmm. regarded accessibility right what are like the accessibility programs at the nd and like what and also like protection of like the freelancers right like like what are you doing mm-hmm. to help freelancers who are hitched to your product and who help your product grow who are getting harassment who are getting our livelihoods impacted by this who are getting like death threats even uh and who yeah. you know working as a DD freelancer and contractor is like a huge toll on our mental health, right? Because of, you know, decisions by Watsi at a high level that are out of our control. And like Watsi employees have health insurance and they have access to counseling and they have access to mental health services. Like, what are you going to do to like help, you know, freelancers mm-hmm. who also help your product be the amazing product that it is? You know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. That was one question that stood out to me that I remembered. Um, I asked a question about race. You know, I was like, I know that there is a pivot from race to species language. And hilariously, hilariously, it was this exact morning. And this was why I had to, like, be escorted, like, um, privately to the uh, Watsi campus is because I was late. I let them know in advance. I had an interview with NPR on 1A specifically about race in D&D and their switch to species-based language. Right. And they had specifically asked me to give my perspective because of my experience and my expertise in this particular, like, field. Right. Uh <laughs> Uh, an aside, they actually they had to cut me off. They had to play me off because I I misunderstood the assignment. I thought I would have sixteen minutes to talk. I had like four minutes to talk, so I was oh, like I'm watching my notes. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Um. So I asked a question about like oh the, the pivot from race to species based language. Like how do you plan on uh, mending trust uh, specifically within communities of color, like creator communities of color, about your consistent mishandlings of race uh, historically and currently, right? Like the Hadozi, like if we go back even further, like everything about orcs and stuff, you know, uh, just the discussion of mixed race people, right? And like the core rules update, uh, I gave like a bunch of examples, right? And like Kyle kind of fixated on like this, this, the one example I gave of like race to species based language, you know, and he was like, oh, this is because like, blah, 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 right? And it, it wasn't until like Sarah Chaffee, I think, had to step in and go, oh, so I think the real, the question underneath your question, Connie, is like, <laughs> is D&D going to appeal to bigots? And no, no, it is not. Like, we're not like, and that was, that was the question under our question, yeah. right? Like, I was mm-hmm. kind of probing, like, you know, how, Right. Like, how are you going to uh, tackle race in the future and how are you going to repair that trust? Because there's been a lot of ruptured trust. And Sarah was the one. Are you going to definitively take a side? Yes, exactly. uh, For once. Exactly. Yes, for once. Yeah. And yeah. Sarah was like, yes, we are against, Sarah had to say, we are against racism. <laughs> we are against homophobia, yeah. transphobia. Like, Let's, they clarified. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle did say that, you know, like straight up. So I was like, yeah. okay, word, all right. So that was a question I asked. And other folks, you know, I think it was KP who asked about like um, race in general, you know, and like, how are you, how do you want to support marginalized specifically and like uh, creators of color? Right, who you know in the space and like help us grow and stuff like that. Um, Indrani uh, of um, 
Nonagon Dice, I think, is uh, her handle on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, they asked a really good question about, like, support for people who aren't American, right, and, like, aren't in Western countries. Mm-hmm. Like, they are a Mumbai-based uh, creator, and they were like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, how are you <laughs> going to help people who, like, aren't in the Western world, right? Because that's that's mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. group of people who play TTRPGs and play D&D who receive very yeah. little to no economic support, right, uh, or or even thought, right? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So really great questions all around. Very few answers given from execs much more answers given from the content creator relations team who like mm-hmm. who they were real champs like salute to them they like tanked a lot of those questions yeah. with a lot of grace thank you first of all for that the depth that you were able to go into what yeah. you've just described is pretty much the impression that i had received just in much more detail um it it appears that consistently from my observations the creative part of the D team is compi- mm. comprised of people who are wanting to move the game forward and mm-hmm, wanting yeah. to be progressive and wanting to make the changes that need to be made. Uh, it seems like they are often hampered sometimes by having teams that are not as diverse as they would need to be to have the necessary perspectives and not basically not having the voices uh, in positions of power to be able to guide them to make the best changes. Uh, because like, regardless of what one thinks of the species change, I think it was an attempt like they tried, <laughs> they tried. I, it may Both have been off. a swing and a miss for a lot of people but like they were swinging at least <laughs> but mm-hmm. um the it, it seems as though that is the more positive side of things the creator the creator side i consistently hear things even for people who were dissatisfied with their time working at the company they will usually say those people were trying their best like i respect those people etc cetera, etc cetera. it seems like most of the criticisms lie with the executives the the suits essentially um and look i have only met kyle once he was nice (laughs) when i met him i don't hold ill will towards him but it does sound like he was uh ill-equipped both uh informationally and emotionally uh to handle the to handle this session based on your description Mm -hmm. uh it sounds like in general the executives just are not in a position to be able to make those changes make these changes mm-hmm. make the answer these questions uh their perspective is so far removed uh mm-hmm. from ours that it's like it's like they're in different worlds yeah i mean it's very clear that the execs are always going to be thinking about the bottom line which i guess makes sense for their role um but yeah it was very clear uh, to me because um i i was in a, a group with latia and um yeah she was phenomenal and you could just tell that like she lives and breathes D and like wants everything for you know the creators and the, and the community and it's yeah it sounds like it's such a stark contrast to what you were seeing there from kyle and other execs no a hundred percent a hundred percent um it very much like general takeaway felt like there was that schism that that a pretty significant gulf between like the younger content creator community facing teams uh at wizards versus like the execs and and honestly kind of the design teams as well like the folks who are actually mm. making the content the the, the full the fully mm. employed like tenured folks right as opposed to like freelancers who can be as diverse as they want them to be right um right not that there aren't um younger and diverse uh designers at watsi who are pushing for change there are you know but it it feels to me just based on my experience at at, from the summit it feels a little bit still like an upward climb 
I also remember the the, the fourth person that I, that I was blanking out on, the director of DEI at Wizards, Chantel. Uh, she mm-hmm. also gave us like a lot of actual answers and was able to speak toward like the DEI programs at, uh, at Wizards and um, their approaches moving forward and, and whatnot. And what does DEI stand for? A DEI, a diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, thank ah, you. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sound, yeah. It sounds like the issue is that the diverse people are not in positions of power, which is exactly. what I yes. tried to ask Kyle about <laughs> in the, for, during our interview. Well, I was like, mm. look, you're making changes. You're trying to make changes. But when you look at the people at the top, uh, it mm. is still – the walls are still beige. And is there any chance <laughs> for us to get some color in here? Uh, and the answer is – well <laughs> not if we wait um so the yeah it's it's not uh, it's i'm not surprised <laughs> like everything yeah. you're saying i'm not surprised uh it's a shame that it worked out the way that it did but i'm mm-hmm. i commend you and the other attendees for making your voices yeah, heard and going out of your way to make sure that this this summit did actually serve the function of being a summit in which you were actually able to give useful, actionable feedback and criticisms. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that. And like, you know, shout out to the creators who really went out on a limb and like said some, you know, shared personal stories or like really like, um, just like spoke very candidly about what they needed from wizards and what they wanted to hear from wizards. Uh, what you said actually made me think of a question someone asked uh, about like, what are you doing? Like exactly that question. Like, what are you doing to address the lack of diversity at like a higher level, you know, for like Mm. writers and designers, right? Because, you know, if the requirement is that you need to have 10 to 15 years of design experience in the tabletop industry, you're not going to get any people of color or women or disabled people like or queer people. You're just not because that's just not a feasible like resume bullet point for those kinds yeah. of for marginalized people to have. Um, We've just about wormed our way in as it is. Yes, exactly. Like- <laughs> exactly. Like I've only been working on this for like three years, right? Like less than three years. And uh, the answer from like the executive level was like, oh, well, anyone can apply. You know, like, so th- it's just responses like that, that I think pointed to the fact that they were honestly really out of touch. Um and it's it's difficult too because I feel like I just have like complicated feelings in, in like I've now it's been several weeks since the summit right I've had time to really process my experience and think about my place in TTRPGs as a whole and there's a reason why I say TTRPGs as a whole and not D&D because I have taken a kind of intentional and conscious step away from the brand yeah. of D&D and my career and my projects and my you know reputation for lack of a better term as a creator in the TTRPG space because it just kind of feels mm-hmm. like they just keep fumbling they kind of just keep fumbling yeah, yeah. and also like the game has gotten me you know this far in my creative journey and i i feel i feel like i've i'm in a place where i'm kind of outgrowing the game itself you know and mm-hmm. the stuff that you know chris perkins and jeremy crawford eventually came and presented about for like the core rules like the updates about weapons and stuff like that like yeah, it's, it's cool for sure but like it's just also not i feel like i'm growing faster than dnd is uh and mm-hmm. i am no longer willing to wait for them to catch up to me uh, and mm-hmm. I think that much was made very evident during the summit. There are incredible people at Wizards, incredible people at Wizards who are mm-hmm. really striving and pushing for change, who need to be paid more than what they're already being paid. I, you know, even if they're being paid well, they need to be given a bonus for all that freaking emotional labor <laughs> they had to take on yeah, during the summit. Like, it. honestly. Um, 
But elephant care, very difficult. Yeah, elephant care. Yeah, very. Yeah, they were they were scrubbing mm-hmm. our toes, right? They were like cleaning cleaning <laughs> the ivory of our tusks. Um, you know, but honestly, like D and D and Wizards of the Coast, I believe they have a responsibility as stewards of the game and also stewards of the communities that surround the game to reflect in their design in their hiring practices, in their company policies, and in the way they interact and treat the creators in their community uh, to reflect the values of the community around them. And and to be really careful about the attention they court. Because some of the responses I got, like of the Q&A, my general sense, um, I asked the race question again uh, to... Jeremy Crawford and Chris Perkins, you know, because they were the folks mm. in charge of the design. And their response to me was like, oh, for now, it's not set in stone yet. Like nothing is set in stone, which is optimistic, right? But for now, we're pivoting to species because we like had this like round of like uh, feedback with John Tell, right? And like with like some other like um, sensitivity consultants, right? Around race. And they they told us that species was the best pivot, you know? And like ultimately, it, it seems to be the most, most popular, you know, pick for our community at large. And we're trying to appeal to what's the most popular thing. And I'm like, that's fine. And I understand that D&D, at the level and size of the company that they are, they kind of have to appeal to the broadest demographic. I suppose I understand that. If we look mm-hmm. at the D&D movie, um, it, uh, oh, yep. they couldn't just appeal to D&D players. The movie needed to have a general yeah. audience appeal. It needed to bring in people who liked fantasy in general, who liked action in general, who liked the mm-hmm. um, talent attached to the to the story, right? So. And the D and D movie, marbleified for sure. Yes, it like it, it straddles. There are some in jokes, but not so much that people who don't understand D and D feel alienated, right? So like mm-hmm. I see on like uh, that reflected in the direction of D and D as well. They kind of want to have some representation, but not so much that people who are a bit more bigoted, um, yep. <laughs> honestly, yeah. like feel yeah. left out. And that is just what they're gonna do. And that is yeah. what I got from the summit. This was not a surprise, right? Necessarily mm-hmm. at all, but you know, it's. It is what it is, you know, and like I'm at a place where I'm making a decision to, you know, like, per- you know, do they're what gonna I'm going to do, do with it. <laughs> they're going to do what they do and we're going to do what we do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. We, we've been there, too. Uh, I think mm. when we first talked about the OGL stuff, we we said that we'd already discussed it as a team, uh, that we have been trying uh, increasingly to pivot away from just representing D&D or mm. if we're doing D&D to try and represent something that is not just Wizards of the mm-hmm. Coast being made by the D&D team. Like not that we're mm. going to shun the topic, not like we're ever going to discuss it, but uh, focusing on uh, we just this day, this very day, yes. recorded a session with uh, Friday, GM Friday, who uh, mm. small independent creator who is working uh, on the Vineyard RPG, which, yes, is D&D compatible. We did use D&D, but it ain't a D&D product. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's like we're trying to support her. Uh, we just of, were, as of today, as of recording, we just dropped uh, episode six of Big Trouble of Little Manus onto the feed. Uh, mm-hmm. We have more one shots and uh, miniseries and so forth uh, planned for later this year that are not using the system. Uh, I'm with you, Connie, when we started the show. And this... I know that some of the fandom, when we initially had made our our statement about like, look, we're not interested in just pursuing or even primarily pursuing D and I know some fans were disappointed because they were like, uh, they found they appreciated that we always took sort of an optimistic 
look at mm-hmm. things and never we're all doom and gloom like many people are. Um, I don't necessarily see it as doom and doom and gloom. I say I say it as I see it as a realistic reaction. Uh, yes. If if you just observe the pattern, they have told you what kind of animal they are. There is no point in expecting the cat to act like a dog when the cat keeps showing you it's a cat. Uh, you're going to have to just accept that it's a cat. And if you don't want a cat, don't adopt a cat. Like that's the answer. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to deal with this, don't keep dealing with the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't if you don't want to deal with D and D with the having the ethos that they want to appeal to both sides as much as possible and uh, gl- move at a glacial pace away. That's still too fast for some on the on the right <laughs> side, uh, but is always mm-hmm. going to be too slow for us. And it's just going to be a repeated every single time they release a new update. It's going to be the exact. We've been saying the exact same thing, which is oh good, yay they changed it, but they could have changed this. And this and this and this and this, and they could have changed it in all these ways. And actually, third-party creators have already released versions of all of this uh, that are that are better than what they just released. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many times are we supposed to say this <laughs> before it's like, look, yeah. guys, this is what we're getting. <laughs> like that's this is what they're gonna do. Um, so yeah, I I'm right there with you, Connie. Th- there's mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. the game is what it is. Uh, I'm glad they're making the changes. I encourage them to keep making the changes. I encourage the people who are involved to keep fighting. And who knows, maybe we will have uh, something completely unexpected, and there will be a real seed change. And you'll see like the people, the people in, at the lower levels and the mid levels who are really pushing for those changes get promoted to higher positions where they actually have power and the executive stand aside long enough for them to make the changes that the game needs. And there were little bits of that. In some of the 1D&D stuff, you have stuff like um, inspiration being given for uh, natural ones, which is like, oh, okay. But yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. They're encouraging failure now. They're now rewarding just trying. Uh, Obviously, like graded successes is something that I think should absolutely be implemented. Stuff like that. There's so much. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And like also like plus one to what you said about how indie creators and anyone who has ever homebrewed a rule at their D&D table, mm-hmm. which I think is like pretty much every single person who's ever played D&D, uh, like have been doing the things that we want to do for our table since we've been since we've been playing, right? So like I've been homebrewing how I handle race ever since the jump. I've been homebrewing grades of success. I've been homebrewing cinematic approaches to combat. I've been homebrewing like this, that, this, that, this, you know? So like when they add stuff to like kind of inch it that way, I'm like, well, okay, that was like three, four or five years ago for me. You know, I'm on to the next thing, right? So like Mm -hmm. I have tempered optimism about the current like associate and like mid-level folks uh, at Wizards and on the D&D team moving up the ladder i just hope what doesn't i just hope they're not headed for a glass cliff and i mm-hmm. i don't know if i given the display that we saw at the summit i don't know if i trust the executives to not do that mm-hmm. or not put people in that position and for folks mm-hmm. who are unfamiliar with the term glass cliff it is when people who are very like diverse in some way typically like a woman or a woman of color or a queer person usually people of color um are put in like a, a visible kind of high level position yeah. right when a company is hurtled toward controversy so they're kind of set up to fail mm-hmm. right and they take they take the fall they fall off the glass cliff and that's kind of used as an excuse for well this diverse woman made our company fail we're gonna go back to a white man mm-hmm. you know uh so mm-hmm. we see the scapegoat yep, completely exactly so i just hope that's not what's going to happen and i hope you know there's going to be a lot of actual genuine like sustainable you know um change happening at wizards um that's what I have to say about it. You know, like kudos to everyone fighting for change on the inside and um, yeah, trying to do their best to see themselves reflected in the product that they give their lives to. 
Mm. I have one more topic that I very briefly wanted to touch on. But before that, Liv, did you have any last thoughts on D&D in this whole situation? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I am tired both because it's late where I am, but also I'm just tired of all of it. <laughs> like, yeah, I completely agree with everything you've been saying, really. I just, I don't, I... I don't know how much more of ourselves we can give to something that is not giving anything back to us, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think as well that throughout all these years, like you were saying, Connie, we have been like making our own stuff and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And I think that's manifesting in a, a, the fact that a lot of like creators are going on to make their own things that honestly supersede what we've been given with, with D and D and, and, yeah, I think at this point, yeah, they just need to catch up to us. That's mm -hmm. that's where we are at the moment for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one more time, one more thing before we move on. Just we're not saying that we hate D&D. &D. Again, we want to say we do not hate the game of D&D. &D. I don't think anyone in this call no. hates the game. Uh, definitely criticisms, but I still enjoy playing it in home games. We may still play it uh, in public games from time to time. Uh, it's it's about the company primarily and the way that the game yeah. is being handled. It's a shame. Yeah. Cause I, I love playing the game and I still have such a soft spot for it, but it's a shame that every time I play it, it kind of hurts a little bit, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Um, yeah. So enough about D and D Connie, let's put our money where our mouth is. You have mm -hmm. a game coming say. out that is not yeah. at all D and D in any way, true. shape or form. <laughs> uh, would you please talk to and You made a good thing. Yes. yes. <laughs> would you please tell us a little bit about God killer? Absolutely. Uh, so God Killer is my upcoming duet, Holy Punk, powered by the Apocalypse game for one player, the God Killer, and one Game Master, God. Uh, this system is basically built to tell a mythic, violent, and transformative tale about a single mortal rising against the challenges of the divine. So if you like stories like God of War, uh, honestly, like Mad Max... Fury Road, uh, anything where like like kind of one person or like a, like a small group of like mortals stands up against like a, a seemingly untoppable force, then God Killer's for you. Uh, so we are currently in the middle. Uh, Pre-orders are open as of the recording of this uh, episode. My cat is here. Hello, Bavo. He's here to slay me, his god. Uh, <laughs> he's just like, you should really check out God Killer. Yeah, I feel like if he's a know. cat, he's god. Uh, in my <laughs> no, experience, right. the cat is the real god in Absolutely. these situations. Uh, but yes, uh, pre-orders are currently open uh, with the game uh, itself. is a digital-only Ashcan is going to be launching on my Itch page. Uh, I'm by Connie Chong on itch.io, which is like a big indie games like marketplace online. Um, I had been developing God Killer with Magpie Games, who is the publisher behind like uh, the Avatar Legends game. Uh, they're the ones behind Masks and New Generation. Uh, they're behind the Root RPG, stuff like that. Uh, now that my Ashcan development period is over with Magpie, I am Publishing it myself. Uh, so if you don't know what an ash can is, it's basically like a, uh, a first edition of a game. It's like a playable, playable alpha, right? So the ash can version of God Killer, which is called the First Blood Edition, uh, has core rules, like everything you need to just hit the ground running, make your own God Killer and play a couple sessions, maybe even short campaign. Uh, and it's going to have some limited art and some limited layout. Uh, and it's going to be digital only. So there's not going to be a print run for the ash can. Uh, it's a PDF only. Um, 
But I'm going to take all the revenue I get from the Ashka, uh, the digital only Ashcan run of this, uh, to hopefully fund a full game in the future, which will also ideally include a print run. Uh, so my goal is to like do like a really cool Kickstarter or like a crowdfunder of like the full game yeah. of God Killer, maybe like a year after or so. Um, and to support the release of God Killer, I am in the middle as of the recording of this, uh, of producing a series of God Killer First Blood one shots on Transplaner RPG. Twitch channel uh, featuring oh a god and god killer pairings in the TTRPG realm and you know a, a halfling may or may not be involved Ooh. in that one shot series who knows um, but we've had <laughs> folks such as uh, B. Dave Walters and Miss Gina Darling were a, a pair uh, we have had Persephone? Uh, Persephoroth, yes, uh, Persephone mm-hmm. and uh, Jess Parsons was were also a pair. And this coming weekend, as of the recording of this again, uh, we are having Lexi of Black Girl Mage fame uh, and Josephine McAdam uh, come on and slay some gods. And we've got some really cool tables uh, coming up as well. So that's every Saturday at 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern time on twitch.tv slash transplaner RPG uh, running from when you hear this until Saturday, Mar- May 20th uh 2023 and after that we also have an official uh god killer first blood prestige podcast series where i'm gming uh my partner c thomas is the god killer and it's going to be like a 16 part podcast series uh to sort of help bridge hiatus content between our first and second main campaigns on transplanar rpg so if you can't get enough god killer goodness you've got podcasts you got streams you got the game itself that you can pre-order and that's the whole rigmarole so much content you should consume it <laughs> yes you should slurp it up it's some good good stuff. slurp slurp <laughs> suck it up into your elephantine trunk and pour mm. it down your <laughs> exactly so good. uh mm-hmm. though speaking of pivoting away from D, uh my the second main campaign that i'm running for transplaner uh is also structured like by an arc by arc basis. So our different seasons, mm-hmm. we call them arcs of the same campaign. And, mm-hmm. you know, the central conceit of that campaign, it follows three interplanar agents who hop from plane to plane, reality to reality. And every arc is a different reality that utilizes a different TTRPG system. So I'm really excited to branch out and away from D and um, uh, for the second, you know, main campaign of Transplaner. And I'm excited to see like the, the different systems that three black halflings has been using and like a lot of other AP channels in the space. Um, you know, I've always thought it was, you know, D's monopoly in the space has been really odd. Uh, and also like it doesn't exactly create a very mm, nuanced, uh creatively rigorous or mm. self-reflexive design Mm. and creator community to have only a single language through which we know how to talk to each other right so like if we look at video games like games broadly speaking i don't Mm. think there's like a single game that dominates video games there's like there's dozens hundreds thousands of games people play all kinds of games a single gamer like might play league as like her main thing but probably also Mm. plays other games as well you know and like there's tons Mm. of gamers who play all kinds of games right there they might be they might like a specific genre of games right they might be a cozy gamer right or like a competitive Mm. fps player right uh Mm. or maybe both right but there i I find it very rare (laughs) that someone looks like a single game might define their identity and i think it's Mm -hmm. honestly i think it's creatively unhealthy so i think that like the Mm. more 
that we branch out as like a general ecosystem of people who are in TTRPGs, the better our community will be for it. And I also think it'll be better for D&D because it'll incentivize them to get off their laurels and innovate, yeah. yep. you know, as opposed to just like riding on the coattails of the creators that make their game great. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah no, uh, Dicebreaker, which, uh, which I also am a part of, um, it, we had a chat at some point and we were like, um, somebody suggested uh, like outside the team, what if you just did all D and D? And we were like, no, absolutely not. Like, um, because there are so we've always championed like different TTRPGs, and you know things get stale if you just stick to one thing. And there's so much content out there, and there's so many like honestly creative geniuses who are making content all the time, and we should explore it. It's great. It's good mm-hmm. stuff, guys. I completely agree. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. Uh, go support mm-hmm. God Killer. Go check out yes. Transplaner uh, Campaign Two. But before that, check out uh, the God uh, the God Killer uh, one shots as well as the God Killer series. Uh, cannot wait to see all of those things. Uh, and also, I very quickly is the is the next arc of uh, the next season of Transplaner inspired in any way by um, what is it? The Lost something or other arc of uh, the Adventure Zone balance? Because what you were just describing sounds very reminiscent. Um, and I know that you have enjoyed balance in the past. Uh, and I was like, huh, branching out to different systems, traveling from reality <laughs> to reality. Intriguing. Yeah, no, actually. The only uh, uh, <laughs> campaign, I suppose, of Taz that I've listened to has has been balance. Uh, so mm-hmm. if this is like a different, I, I listened to like- No, it's towards from- the end. It's- Oh, yeah, is it when it's towards the end when it's like there are- it's the yeah the Bureau mm-hmm. of Balance when they're like oh going from reality to reality being chased by this thing from reality oh, to reality sure. I can't remember what system yeah. they used but it's yeah I think Griffin mm. had like either homebrewed no I think they used the system but I forget I forget which one it was mm. too uh, but no actually that is not one of the inspirations for this it's actually hilarious that you bring that up because I I love balance um. Uh, I think there there is similarity in that the main characters of uh, Campaign 2 are interplanar agents, but I think where that similarity ends is they're not like running away from a world-ending force. They're actually they're mm, hopping from reality sure. to reality to answer distress calls that their boss, cool. Fate, has been ignoring <laughs> since the beginning uh, of time. Okay. But now she's like, you know, she's come back from a soul-searching journey and she's like, whoops, my bad. Uh, here are all the prayers <laughs> I've been ignoring. So like, they have to is. go and like uh, help people <laughs> out who have been suffering for untold millennia. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and I love it. Yes, yeah. like classic transplanter content. It's gonna be about queer love, uh, but also yeah. this time around, queer rage. <laughs> so yes, if you're finally. into that, you should absolutely do it. And oh yeah, go ahead, Liv. I was just gonna say, I know we've discussed a lot of stuff today, but I I know it goes without saying that uh, saying without saying that our wonderful community and whoever else outside of the community, I don't know, might listen to this. Like um, Connie and the rest of the content creators who like put their neck out for everyone deserve a lot of kudos and respect. And like I don't know if you were if for any reason you were gonna take anything that's happened here negatively, maybe don't. Maybe have it you know check yourself or something. Mm. <laughs> It sounds like I'm threatening someone, <laughs> but no, I mean, just like, you know, it's, it's all be loving and chill and good. Thanks everyone. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> well, thank you for saying oh, that. No, live. no, no, I appreciate it because folks have just been like so out of pocket. People have just been so mm. weird about it, you know? And like, yeah, even in the aftermath of the summit, there was even more discourse. Like I, I was seeing people being like some really, truly like 
capital T takes uh, of being like, oh, yeah. y'all are posting like you returned from war or something. Or like you're posting <laughs> like you're organizing on the front lines of a revolutionary movement. And I'm like, okay, no, no, I don't think I, that's not how I've been posting about it or thinking about my time here. Right. Or what happened. Right. Um, I think there's just like a lot of like there's 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 we're never radical enough for leftists right uh and no. we are too <laughs> we are too uh queer and trans and uh have mm-hmm. too much cultural color i suppose for nazis uh so i'm like you know we're <laughs> yes. just going to go, right? <laughs> far too much yeah, so. no i know but we're yeah we're all an extension of the community mm-hmm. you know we're not we're not the execs we are the community mm-hmm. so yeah yeah on that note Connie, where can people find you on the yes. internet? Yes, uh, y'all can find me at by Connie Chong, uh, wherever, pretty much anywhere. On Twitter and TikTok are my main stomping grounds. That's B Y C O N N I E C H A N G. And I'll pass things back to you, halflings. Yay. Oh, uh, Liv, where can the folks find you? Oh, you can find me in my bed when I go to bed in a minute. But you can also find me over on Twitter. Um, I'm um, Does Dark Magic on Twitter, at Does Dark Magic. And I'm on everything else, um, Olivia Does Dark Magic. And I'm on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Dicebreaker and youtube.com forward slash Three Black Halflings. And you should subscribe to things and stuff. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Jeremy Cobb. You can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Cobb one. This Cobb with two beads number one. You can follow me on uh, Instagram at the Cobbmeister. And you can follow the show at three. That's number three black halflings on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pornhub, etc. Uh, and please, if you like what you hear or <laughs> see in any of those places. <laughs> We got to rewind that. We weren't supposed to tell them about that Drew. Not, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, don't, there is. Okay. That's right. Look, if you like big hairy halfling feet, don't oh, <laughs> check out the God. BBH. Oh, the- <laughs> I don't even like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's God. it's been too long. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Go follow us on Patreon if you like all of that stuff for even more goodness. Uh, Patreon.com slash TV Halflings. And we will see you next time. So long, Shire So folk. long, Shire folk. That was a HeadGum Podcast.